Do you want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily. It's called Spotify for Podcasters. It lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. You know I love that, and I promise you the other platforms don't offer that. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can also earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. I've been using Spotify for Podcasters from the very start. I highly recommend you give it a try. Just don't post on Monday. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Welcome, everyone, to Monday Match Analysis. I'm Gil Gross, and it is time for a preview of the 2023 Italian Open in the great city of Roma. The last Masters 1000 on clay of the season, just ahead of Roland Garros, just like Madrid. It has now changed to being a two-week-long event with a 96-player draw. 32 seeded players, all 32 seeds will get a bye. It's one of my favorite events of the year. I love the stadium architecture. I love how close it is to Roland Garros. I generally like the crowds as well. So let's get into it. Uh, General Rome stuff. Craziest thing, and I say this every year in the preview. And, you know, it'll be interesting. Will this be the last year that I say it in the preview? Uh, But since 2005, Nadal or Djokovic has been in the final every single year. And that's a reflection of, again, I, I think the calendar spot. Obviously, Nadal being the greatest clay court player of all time is is a lot of that, but it's also Djokovic's best clay court tournament uh, because at this point, even more so in past years, uh, this is when those two are in peak physical condition uh, because Roland Garros is right around the corner. And I think that's really the explanation for that. Uh, The conditions in Rome, slow like Monte Carlo, but not as windy. And the quality of play is a little bit higher. Again, because of the calendar spot, I think there are less upsets and there are especially less upsets by clay court purists. You know, less of that kind of Fabio Fanini or Albo Ramos Vinolas kind of surprise run in there, right? Uh, I put a lot of emphasis on baselining and ball striking in Rome. Uh, serve is definitely diminished by the court speed. But compared to Monte Carlo, not quite as much focus on defense and movement because the quality of play rises and because there's a little bit less wind and because I, I just think it's a little bit more friendly to to attack on this court. Uh, Madrid was wild. We had the Struf Karatsev semifinal. We even had Borna Chorich going on an unexpected run. We had Daniel Altmaier, another lucky loser, making the quarterfinal. My predictions were horrendous, and nobody could say anything because everybody's predictions were definitely horrendous because of what happened in the tournament. It was wild. If you kind of go through it, you you look for an explanation besides, hey, it happens sometimes. Sometimes there's crazy tournaments. Other than that, though, uh, you had a lot of big weapon players getting hot, which can happen at altitude. 
especially with the ball flying through the air really quickly. And then you also had a lot of contenders, which we did flag before the tournament started. We had a lot of top contenders either resting or coming in fatigued because they won a million matches in Monte Carlo and then won a million matches the next week in either Barcelona or Banja So just kind of looking at the field here, I see much less potential for that here. And in general, this is an event that, again, less upsets happen, which I think I said. Uh, you can look at last year. The semifinals were comprised of all top five seeds. You had Djokovic playing Rude. That was a one versus five. And then you had the seeds completely holding up on the bottom half with Tsitsipas versus Zverev. Ended up being a Djokovic-Tsitsipas final. And Novak Djokovic won uh, six love, seven, six. That was, uh, yeah, okay. I won't go further than that. One unseeded player made the quarters and it was Christian Garin. Let's get into it. Quarter by quarter. If you are new to the channel, I will give you a dark horse, unseeded player, most likely to go deep, upset alert, seeded player, most likely to lose in the first couple of rounds. In this case, it's kind of weird with, with upset alerts because you there's only really one match and then the third round, which could be against another seeded player. But anyway, it's all funky. It's all funky. Early popcorn is the early round match which I think you should watch, and I'll have quarterfinal predictions. Novak Djokovic is the number one seed. As I mentioned, the defending champion. The top seeds here is Holger Runa, Felix Ojealiasim, Cameron Nori, Alex Dimonor, Sebastian Korda, Grigor Dimitrov, and Mimir Ketsmanovic. My dark horse here is Roman Safulin. My upset alert is FAA. My early popcorn is Murray versus Fanini in round one. And I'm sorry, awful format uh, formatting for me on the graphic. Uh, I also put Feast versus Runa in here round two. But uh, okay, I'll get to that in a second. Let me start with Dark Horse. And some of you guys comment that I need to leave this up on the screen longer. So I'm going to leave it up on the screen. Uh, Roman Safulin. Haven't watched him play recently, to be completely honest, but I've noticed his results. And he's quietly on a heater. He qualified for Madrid. He beat Nicolas Jari, who I thought was a dark horse in Madrid. Then he beat Tommy Paul. He qualified here in Rome, again, without dropping a set. Kind of an aggressive forehand player. I'm hoping that the clay isn't too slow for him. He needs that forehand to penetrate and to do damage for him, but I think it it can it's not that there are unseated players who I don't like a little bit more than Roman Safulin, but they don't have the draw opportunity that he has. He's got Marcos Giron round one. His seeds are Sebastian Corda and FAA, and both Corda and Felix have question marks surrounding them. You know, both of them are players who I put on upset alert for Madrid, and both of them uh, proved to be correct upset alert picks. Here for Rome. I went with Felix over Corda because mostly draw, mostly draw. FAA uh, lost first round in Madrid last week, as I mentioned, after returning from injury. So ultimately, and I don't want to pile on here, but his last win came in March. And I just think for FAA, and this is another difference between Felix and Corda, I think for Felix, it's tough for him to come back and win right away on slow clay conditions that don't maximize his strengths and minimize his weakness. 
but quite the contrary. Uh, they maximize his weaknesses. They minimize his strengths. And that's why I'm kind of, look, I, maybe he can get things going for, for RG. He has played well in Paris the last couple of years, but kind of waiting until grass court season for FAA in a way. His draw isn't really kind either. Could be Alexi Popperin. Popperin beat him badly earlier this year. Could be Christopher O'Connell, who's been sneaky good this year on the dirt. Six and three ATP level for Christopher O'Connell, whose forehand is really working well for him on the clay. Popcorn matchup. Stacked. Very, very stacked. So many options here. Uh, I picked two, but I didn't pick Dimitrov versus Vavrinka. And in a lot of other quarters, that would have been the early popcorn match. You know, Bill does the battle of the backhands. Stan's backhand is just much better. And Stan has won the last five head-to-heads against Dimitrov. But still, always a fun nostalgia matchup nonetheless. And uh, there's momentum if that matchup comes to bear for a Djokovic head-to-head. Likely the winner of that will take on Novak Djokovic. I think Stan played Djokovic last year in Rome and it was ugly. But Vavrinka is a much better player now. Just in better form, by far. The actual popcorn match is Murray versus Fanini. Murray will have uh, high spirits after winning the title in Aix-en-Provence. Momentum in his season once again. 42 in the world. That's his highest ranking since 2018. Fanini, crowd will be behind him, of course, in Rome, as they always are, but he's kind of at a crossroads here in his career. He's outside the top 100. He hurt his foot in Estoril. That's kept him out the last couple of events. About a month he's been out. And he said he has no interest in he has no interest in retiring right now. But he's got to start winning, or else he's not going to be able to play the events that he wants to play, and that's going to be a problem. So, a uh, very important stretch coming up for Fanini, and it's going to be fascinating to see how Murray rebounds from the Challenger title in France. Let's move on to the quarterfinal prediction. I have Novak Djokovic defeating Holger Runa. This is one that I went back and forth on. was not an easy call for me, uh, especially just because there's a lot of mystery around Novak Djokovic right now. Let's talk about Runa first. Uh, he'll be refreshed after losing in the second round against Davidovich Vakina. I don't see that as a bad loss at all. He deserved... You know, he deserved... I'm not saying he deserved to lose as in as like a bad thing. I'm saying after all the winning he had done in the weeks prior, he deserved a break, I should say. So it's the kind of loss where it's like, okay, you competed hard, you lost a tight match, but there's definitely a positive spin to this, which is that there was way too much tennis in the last couple weeks. And a loss was probably going to actually be a a more favorable schedule. Uh, if you're really looking long-term, heading into Roland Garros, probably a loss was a good thing there. Uh, it's his first ever main draw in Rome, uh, but he's looked great on the slow clay here. So I am high on Runa, and I think the draw for him is pretty kind in the early going here. If I just kind of take a quick skim, his seed is Ketsmanovic. Um... Oh, I didn't talk about the Arthur Feast 
early popcorn match. So yeah, that could be interesting. Feast is an 18-year-old who's 19 and 7 across all levels in 2023. He qualified here. He beat Alexander Shevchenko in qualifying. Shevchenko has been dangerous recently. Uh, Feast is a powerful mover and a really great flashy ball striker. And if Feast plays Runa, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a fireworks show. And it's totally going to be a match that I want to watch. Uh, but, you know, seeds are Ketsmanovic. And then above that section is the Corda FAA little section, which, as we've talked about, we don't really know what's going to happen over there. So Runa, I think, is looking pretty good to get to the quarters. And then for Djokovic. Djokovic uh, is looking at probably Luka Van Asch, who I, I like. I've talked a lot about him. Really, really quick. Great mover. Tough to hit through. Makes you work very hard. Good timing. You know, redirects well. Uh, the only the only teenager in the top 100 since Alcaraz turned uh, 20 is Luka Van Asch. Uh, or Tomas Martin Echeverry. I think Echeverry might be a little bit tougher for Djokovic. Echeverry has, ha uh, has been in two finals over the course of this clay court season. He's got much bigger weapons. He's got a big serve and a big forehand. So it's not a breeze for Djokovic in this first match. But then I think it gets quite nice after that. Uh, Stan just hasn't really been able to hold up physically after the first couple matches. Uh, Dimitrov doesn't really play Novak all that well at all. Uh, then you have Demonor and you have Nori. Uh, Nori, I still have faith in Nori on clay. I, I know it hasn't been great. I I think that he still has a lot of potential to salvage his clay court season. I I might like him at Roland Garros. We'll have to see how he looks this week. So, you know, for Djokovic, uh, ultimately, it's not really the draw that I think is doing him any favors here. It's the fact that I'm leaning that he resets and does the Rome thing that he tends to do, which is play great, which is play great in Rome. I don't think the elbow injury is bad. I could be wrong. So I feel like this is the time in Rome to just bank on Djokovic getting his form in the right place where it needs to be. Because over the court, over the years, that has been how this plays out. So even though there's a lot of mystery around Djokovic, I feel like you put your faith in him uh, to get this thing done. And if he does play Runa, ultimately, I feel like it's the the stability in the high-pressure situations that might push Novak over the edge. But I could see that being a, a great match, an epic match, and that would be a lot of fun. So I'm rooting for that. Let's go to Casper Rude's quarter. Rude is the number four seed. He's got Yannick Sinner, Karen Hatchinov, Tommy Paul, Botik van de Zanschkolp, Francisco Sarundolo, Ben Shelton, and Talon Griegspor. My dark horse here, there's two of them, Sebastian Baez and Christian Garin. My upset alert is Tommy Paul. And my early popcorn is Sinner versus Munar or Kokonakis in round number two. Baez, dark horse. His results haven't been good, but you still don't want to see him on this surface. We're getting to the point also where the pressure's kind of coming off of him. He's no longer seated, and I wonder if maybe he can tap into that underdog mindset again and maybe shift the psyche, start to start to find the form. I still love the movement, still love the forehand. He's got some draw opportunity. Juan Pablo Vrias in the first round. 
I do kind of like Farias, but uh, Bias should be able to get through that one. And then Talon Griegsport, who's kind of struggled in his next match, if he wins. Christian Garin, also a dark horse for me here. He's been really, really consistent in the last several events he's played. He's winning matches most weeks. Not really going on runs, not really getting big wins, but there's really no sure bet as far as the seeds go in this top eighth of this quarter. So I wanted to make sure to include someone as a dark horse who's in that eighth who might be able to take advantage of that if things get chaotic. And Christian Garin is so good at doing that, especially on clay. So good at taking advantage of openings in the draws. He kind of did it last year in Rome. He beat Pissarro, Rusevori, and Chilich to make the quarterfinals last year. And this year, you know, just looking at the section that he's got, uh, Tommy Paul would be his seed. Botik van de Zanschkulp is there. Ben Shelton and Kasparud. So I'm not saying that's like a weak group of seeds at all. I don't, I don't think that. With that said, there's no sure bet there, especially with Kasparud being as vulnerable as he's been. None of those seeds are sure bets. So if things get crazy, I feel like Garin's the guy in that area who could take advantage of it. Upset alert is Tommy Paul. I try to avoid putting upset alert and and Dark Horse in the same kind of little area here, but in this case, I couldn't avoid it. Uh, Tommy Paul was the seed that I thought was most likely to lose early. I did like the move to play in France last week. He did play Exxon Provence and made the, the final there. But I'm not sure if the level really convinced me that he's going to contend for these big clay titles right now. I just don't trust the forehand fully. And the surface kills his backhand and hurts the net rushing. Plus, I noticed the elbow sleeve is back. That could be me reading into something that's nothing. But... He took the elbow sleeve off for most of the year, and I was really happy to see that because Tommy Paul has had like these chronic elbow issues that I think has really hurt him. And for most of the year, he, he took the compression sleeve off and hired this physio, and I thought the elbow was great, and that, that was super exciting. I don't know if the elbow sleeve being back on means that the elbow is a thing again, that he's, you know, the tendonitis that, and the pain that he's dealt with has kind of come back. Maybe, maybe not. Just something I noticed last week. Um, ultimately also the draw. Uh, he'll face the winner of Christian Garin or Pedro Cachin, who has also had a really strong 2023 on clay. This is his surface, and playing the winner of that matchup with a win under their belt, it's not going to be easy. Those are really, really tough clay quarters. Okay. Uh, early popcorn, Sinner versus the winner of Munar and Kokonakis. Uh, this is a rematch of a Madrid early popcorn match. Remember, I just randomly put that as early popcorn because I'm like, kind of like the matchup. Think it'll be entertaining. Think it'll be a good match. Well, guess what? I was correct because it was fun. The first set tiebreak was awesome. Munar won it 9-7. And then the second set also went to a tiebreak, and Munar also won the second set tiebreak, 7-3. And the crowd went crazy, and Munar was out there killing it in his Munar ways. I love watching him compete. Uh, so, rematch of that, I actually think the surface 
gives Munar an even bigger example uh, advantage. And then I don't know a little center versus Munar action. Uh, that's my early popcorn. I know not great, but this is what this is what we get in the new format. Quarterfinal here is Yannick Sinner defeats Botik von de Zanschkulp. Yeah, probably my most. Well, I'm not going to spoil anything, but Botik von de Zanschkulp is my is my guy here. Uh, let's talk about Rude first because Botik is the guy who I have beating Rude. I, I do think Casper makes the fourth round, so I don't have another early loss for Rude. I I, I just have him losing to Botik who. Uh, has already beaten Casper, and I feel like Vonda Zanschkulp is exactly the kind of player who continues to keep beating Casper. And maybe Rude can change this up and find something new, but he basically is losing to anybody who has a big forehand at this point because he's leaving way too many balls in the middle of the court. In Madrid, he lost to Matteo Arnaldi, who's in the draw this week. He got a wild card because he's Italian. Um, the draw sets up pretty nicely for him to get some wins here, though. And again, I do have him getting into the fourth round. Just looking at Kasper Rude's draw, uh, he'll play the winner of Arthur Indrignetch, who doesn't win on clay, and Italian qualifier, who I've never watched play, Flavio Gabali. You got Ben Shelton in there, who's had a lot of tough draws on the clay, but hasn't been able to get anything going. Uh, Pedro Martinez... Alexander Bublik. That's his immediate section. And I think he's going to get through that section, ultimately. So, that's good for him. Uh, Botic. I think I had... Yeah, I did. I had Botic on upset alert last week in Madrid because of what happened in Munich. And my thought was, there's no way he gets over that quickly. There is no way that there's not, like, a, a massive hangover from what happened there. And I figured it might last a long time. He ended up losing first round in Karatsev, so that was another uh, correct upset alert by me. Who knew that Karatsev was going to just make the semis after that? Nobody. But I thought that Botic might need to shake things up after what happened there, and he did. To me, if you... What, what he did was he changed... He, he brought on a new coach. He brought on... Sven Groenfeld, who's a great coach with a lengthy resume and a lot of success on tour. And I think mentally, when you bring in someone new like that, it kind of wipes the slate clean. New beginnings, new start, fresh face. And sometimes we see kind of players have a, a honeymoon period with, with a new coach. And I, I like that for Botic. I love the move. I think it erases the hangover effect from what happens in Munich because it, it kind of just, it's a fresh start for him. And I think he could take advantage of uh, a fairly weak bra, uh, fairly weak draw here, use his big forehand, which I love on clay, which I loved in Munich, and uh, have some success. Uh, Laszlo Gera, a little bit scary. I assume that Gera will beat Constant Lestien in the first round. Uh, that's a little bit scary, but after that, it's Tommy Paul who I have an upset alert. Uh, Garin is there, of course. Uh, Kachin might be there, but, you know, kind of clay quarters. And then Root. I do have Yannick Sinner advancing here, though. Sinner probably could have played Madrid. He got sick in Barcelona. 
you know, probably could have fought through the illness. I don't know how sick he was, but he was asked uh, before Rome started, like, hey, how's it been? And he was basically like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. You know, I've been training. I've been in Rome early. So to me, the Madrid withdrawal was let's take a break. It's been a ton of tennis since February. It had been. And get ready for Rome, which is a really important tournament for Yannick Sinner. So I love the move. I love the way the schedule has shaken, uh, shaken out for, for Sinner. I love that he got the off time. In Rome at this point, he's a total veteran at the event uh, by now. He's gotten really good at using friendly crowds to his advantage to give him an, uh, a little extra boost to make a connection with the fans. He had really struggled with that in the past, I think, as a younger player. But ever since last year, he's gotten good at that. We know about his confidence. We know about how good he's been since February. So that's kind of a, a check mark. And the motivation to win this thing should be absolutely through the roof. Let me give you a stat on Sinner. I'll leave you with this. Uh, since February, he has not lost a match before the semifinal. He had the withdrawal in Barcelona. He also had that first-round withdrawal uh, in France. I don't know if it was Marseille or Montpellier. One of those. But Sinner has not lost a match since uh, prior to the semifinal. Since that run in Rotterdam. That's how good he's been. Let us now go to Daniil Medvedev's quarter. Top seeds are Medvedev, Andre Rublev, Taylor Fritz, Hubert Hurkacz, Alexander Zverev, Roberto Bautista Agut, Alejandro Davidovich Fikina, Bernabe Zapata Marias. And that's it. I believe it's the first time uh, Zapata Marias has been seated at a big event. Uh, writing his name in the top seeds category. Felt felt like a new experience for me. My dark horse here is Marco Cecchinato. My upsettler is Hubert Hurkacz, and I couldn't find an early popcorn. Marco Cecchinato, aggressive forehand player whose one-hander is vulnerable off clay, but on clay he can protect it a lot better. He's won six out of his last eight matches. Estoril semifinal. Beat ADF there. Uh, qualified for Madrid last week. Beat Fucevic in the main draw. And now he comes to Italy. So he must be thrilled about the form coming into what is, if not the most important event of the year for him, it is one of the most important events of the year for him. And his draw is good as well. He's got Mackie McDonald first round and then RBA in the next match. So if Cecchinato is going to go on a run here, all of the ingredients are here. Not to mention... Looking through the unseeded players in this quarter, I see a lot of fast court players. A lot of guys who aren't going to be dark horses on the clay. Upset alert, Hubert Hurkacz. Haven't been high on his return game recently, as I think I've said a couple of times. I think I think Monte Carlo, he was on upset alert for me. Draw-wise, could play Alice and then Zverev. And I just know in those two matchups... There's going to be tie breaks, and I could see him handling the high leverage situations better than those two and winning both those matches, but it's a dangerous game that Hubie is playing here, and for me at this time, he's just not at the Isner level where I think he's so clutch in tie breaks that it's okay that he's not breaking surf. He's not in that stratosphere for me right now. 
Quarterfinal prediction here. Andre Rublev defeats Daniil Medvedev. Medvedev lost prior. I thought he'd have a better Madrid. I thought he'd have a better Madrid. Um, and who did he lose to? I'm actually blanking now. Oh, he lost to Karatsev. I don't really blame anybody who lost to Karatsev last week because Karatsev was unbelievable. Medvedev also had a, a nice uh, three-setter against Shevchenko. Didn't look really fully comfortable, but uh, I, you know, he has over the years settled in to clay court season, and his best tennis has been at Roland Garros, which I think is a good sign long-term in terms of how he's going to feel at Rome. And Medvedev should be pretty pumped about his draw. The unseeded players in his section just don't move all that well. So, you know, they're not the, the speedsters that I think in the past have given Medvedev the most trouble. The biggest threat is legitimately Zapata Marias, who's got some speed, he's got some rally tolerance, some forehand power. Somehow, even though he's really small, he, he has a pretty big forehand because he throws his entire body weight into the ball and screams at the top of his lungs, and then the ball goes pretty fast. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. But, you know, when your biggest threat is somebody who is seated for the first time at a big event, that tends to bode pretty well. Uh, in the eighth above him, you know, prospective fourth round opponents uh, could be another Zverev meeting. And I know that the law of averages suggests after, you know, two third set tiebreak victories for Medvedev that, okay, I mean, Zverev is going to get him at some point here, right? Zverev is going to get this time. I don't know. That's not really how I look at it. I trust Medvedev and the way he's competing match in and match out a lot more than Zverev. I trust him to play with more uh, mental drive and physical energy AZ has just been uneven in in his in his kind of presence, his his match toughness and his presence week to week. And I just I you don't know what you're gonna get from him right now. So no, give me Medvedev again there. I like Rublev though. I like Rublev to beat Medvedev in the quarterfinals. Generally with Rublev, I'm curious to see how he reacts to having a big title under his belt. You know, that is a change in psychology for Andre. My sense is that it's going to be a great thing for him. You do worry about players, especially players like Rublev, who have spent so many years trying to kind of break through that kind of milestone and has been really, really close over and over and over again and finally got there. You worry about the motivation potentially taking a little bit of a dip and that having an adverse effect on results. I just don't think Rublev fits that profile because usually when we see that, 
the problem is that the fire kind of goes out. But Rublev has always been a guy who, if anything, wants it a little bit too badly, whose fire burns almost too bright. And I'm wondering if this big title just kind of brings him down to the optimal level, the level that that you want to be at, which is a, a good balance between being able to stay calm and 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 relaxed and kind of have a quiet confidence about you, but also uh, compete super, super hard, want it extremely badly, and have fire and fight. I'm just not, I'm not concerned about Rublev. I think it's going to be a really good thing for him. Uh, the Medvedev matchup uh, is interesting. I don't like it for Rublev in general for a lot of reasons, which we saw in Dubai. Uh, but Rublev's forehand edge makes a, is a much bigger difference maker on clay. And look, I, I hate to continue to play armchair psychology. I know I just did a little bit of it talking about Rublev in general, but I think for this matchup specifically... I look at kind of the same thing where uh, Medvedev might respect him a little bit too much. They're really good friends. Rublev just became the uh, the godfather of Daniil's kid. And I think we've had on, on one end, when Medvedev plays Rublev on hard court, there's been a, a little brother dynamic where Rublev doesn't really expect to win. He's like, yeah, you know, Daniil... This is kind of major U.S. Open quarterfinal. Like, yep, you win this match. That's kind of what happens. I wonder if on clay you have a little bit of the opposite dynamic. Daniil knows that that this is where Andre is probably a little bit better suited than him to win. And I just don't know if Medvedev in a prospective quarterfinal against Rublev is out for blood as much as he would be against some other opponents. So, again... Excuse the armchair psychology, uh, but I also think that the skill set and the the tactics uh, also give give uh, Rublev a, a good chance to kind of reverse the the typical dynamics that happen and play out in that head to head. Carlos Alcaraz is the number two seed, off the heels of back to uh, three straight titles. I almost said back to back titles. Oh, no, no, no. It is. It's just back-to-back. It's just... uh, No. It's three straight, actually. Right? Yeah. Right? Why am I forgetting? Is it three straight titles? Did he... What what, what happened in... No, because he didn't play Monte Carlo. It's two straight. Okay. Two straight titles for Alcaraz. His top seeds are Stefanos Tsitsipas, Francis Tiafo, Borna Chorich, Lorenzo Musetti, Dan Evans, Yoshi Nishioka... And Yuri Lahechka. My dark horse here is Daniel Altmaier. My upset alert is Francis Tiafo. My early popcorn is Tsitsipas versus Lajevic in round two. Daniel Altmaier, uh, 11 and 4 on clay in 2023 across all levels. Great rhythm right now with the scheduling. Madrid quarterfinal. Uh, which he made as a lucky loser, as I mentioned. And then he qualified in Rome. So he's already got two wins under his belt. He's already made the adjustment in conditions from Madrid to Rome. And Altmaier's always been a guy who I've liked a lot. He's got some issues in his game, but I've always loved his physicality. Lots of weight of shot on the backhand. Uses his kick serve well on clay. And uh, when the forehand is reliable, he can be awesome. Sometimes I just think the forehand... Is uh, is not good enough for for him to break into the top fifty, which uh, 
I've always thought that, you know, there's a lot there. He might have the potential to do it, but uh, I I wish the forehand was just a little bit better. Technically, there seems to be kind of a hitch in it. Uh, Sometimes, though, it's sometimes it's good enough for him to to make some serious noise. And it's been really good on clay for him uh, this year. We've seen him. We've seen him do some some really good things. I I think Roland Garros uh, 2020. I want to say, I think it was the pandemic fall Roland Garros where where he made a, a ton of noise in Paris. Upset alert! It's Francis Tiafo, who's kind of the opposite of Altmaier. I love how Altmaier has kind of been able to not play too many matches, but also stay super active. Uh, Tiafo's the opposite. He just has no momentum in his scheduling right now. He's played just three matches in the last 30-plus days. Not to mention, very Tommy Paul-like with the backhand and the net rushing kind of going away for Tiafo, which really helps him on the quicker court surfaces. He can be more effective with his forehand, but I don't know if he's quite as ready or as good as Tommy Paul at you know getting physical on slow clay and just hanging tough and kind of embracing his shot tolerance on on slow clay. So, upsettler is Tiafo, And again, I kind of did the thing where Altmaier is really uh, probably who Tiafo plays in his first match. And I don't like to be redundant there. Uh, what, what else do we got for... I'm trying to look at the draw here for uh, Tiafo Musetti. And Musetti's tough. So, I would favor Musetti. As well, if if that third round match happens, early popcorn could be a, a, a kind of a, a nervous, I think, high stakes first match for Stefano Tsitsipas against uh, against Lajevic. You know, you know, Lajevic not only won Banja Luka, which we've talked about plenty. But didn't even really have a hangover in Madrid. He won a couple of matches in Madrid, which I was I was very impressed by. So I just think he's feeling great right now. And he doesn't serve big, but he does hit big. You know, Tsitsipas, he's had trouble with big weapons over the course of this clay court season. It, are are Lajevic's big enough to really beat him? You know, to to pull off the upset, I don't think so, but I just think it could get interesting. In fact, I do think that Tsitsipas makes the quarterfinal. My quarterfinal prediction is Carlos Alcaraz defeats Stefanos Tsitsipas. Would that be the fifth time, or would that be the sixth time? I'm not sure. I forget. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I, I do think that Tsitsipas, who's who's been okay, it hasn't been a terrible clay court season. Look, Struff served unbelievably well. Struff played incredibly well. And, and at altitude, that was kind of an anomaly uh, result, uh, I think, where I don't think it was a, 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 re- a real reflection of Tsitsipas having any kind of vulnerability right now on the slower clay that we're about to see him play on. At the same time, can't really see him beating Alcaraz. You know, still don't really see how he beats Alcaraz. Uh, Carlitos now 29 and two this year in the uh, immediate section. Uh, he's got a lot of unseated kind of clay clay guys. Like if you look at Alcaraz's draw, there's Ramos Vinolas. Uh, there's Tiago Montero. There's Hugo Delian, who I, I think has been injured. Roberto Carballes Baena. Um, not all of those guys are in his 16th, but all those guys are in his eighth. Uh, and then you look at the seeded guys, 
and they're not slow clay guys. You have Lahechka and Dan Evans and Borna Chorich. So Alcaraz really doesn't have, there's no real juicy, obvious match against a seed who actually likes clay until the quarterfinal. So that obviously bodes well for him. Not that Alcaraz right now needs a favorable draw in order for him to do well. It is now time to reveal the final weekend prediction. In three, two, one. Yannick Sinner defeats Novak Djokovic in three sets. Carlos Alcaraz defeats Andre Rublev in two sets. Alcaraz defeats Sinner in three. Uh, as always, I am not going to litigate these hypotheticals. Not going to waste time on that as they probably will not come true. But uh, the logic here... Look, Djokovic, I think he's going to play great. I, I think if if he has a big win against a Holger Runa who's playing well, that would be a successful Rome. That would set him up well for Roland Garros. Uh, but at the same time, given kind of what we've seen, do I feel really confident that he goes all the way here? No, not really. I, I think he takes a big step forward, but n maybe not the massive giant step leap to the promised land uh, right away here in Rome. Uh, and then, you know, I mean, Sinner, Djokovic, honestly, Sinner would need that match more. Sinner would want that match more, need that match more, I think be, be the more desperate player. And on super slow clay, if they're going blow to blow from the baseline and Sinner is limiting his errors, forehand to forehand especially, he could overpower Novak. If he's going to do it on, on any surface, it's this surface. Uh, he can kind of just hit a heavier ball, have a better forehand day than Djokovic. Uh, the the serve advantage that normally Novak would have, not quite as pronounced here. So I think that if... I think Sinner, this would be the situation in the court surface where, where he would get the better of Novak. Uh, Alcaraz over Rublev. Um, don't think that Rublev would have all that much to say for Carlos Alcaraz. And I actually think in, in this case... Uh, the court surface, unlike how it helps him against Medvedev, I think it hurts him against Alcaraz. I would like to see that match on a on a quick, hard court where Rublev could could maybe suffocate Alcaraz and rush him. Uh, as we've seen, Carlitos is not really going to be rushed on a slow clay court, especially with how he is managing his court position. So Alcaraz in two sets there. And in the final, Alcaraz over Sinner, three sets. Look, this would be painful for, for Sinner. He wants that first big title, but... Man, it would be tough against Alcaraz on a slow clay court, especially if Alcaraz is not fatigued and doesn't need to work too hard uh, en route to this final, which I think is a potential. Um, yes, the fatigue factor would be a concern with Alcaraz making the final here after uh, the tennis he's played and coming off of the Madrid. But the way Sinner beat him in Miami, much tougher with, uh, with a slower court surface. And Alcaraz is going to, to be able to fend off some of that power, uh, in my opinion, much, much better. Absorb that power much, much better. And that's why I give Alcaraz the edge over center three sets. Yeah, it would be painful, but that is the pick I needed to make. All right, let's have some fun. Mailbag tomorrow. Uh, not going to be heavy on the Madrid, uh, sorry, the Rome coverage until the second week. So just a heads up for that right now. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next time.
Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. Yeah. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.